Today is Palm Sunday, and the Gospel reading is taken from the 21st chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, beginning with the first verse. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied, and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes in them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. On the first Sunday in Advent, that is, at the beginning of the church year, and then again today, on Palm Sunday, the Church contemplates our Lord's fulfillment of this prophecy. In Advent, we are reminded of our Lord's first Advent in humility, as he concealed his divine glory in the days of his holy ministry, culminating in his atonement for sin through his death on the cross. Now again we behold the Son of God in flesh, entering into his city on a colt, the foal of a donkey, coming in meekness, greeted by the multitude who acknowledge him as the one who fulfills the divine word. Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So too, we sing these words in the divine service, as we are preparing for the coming of the Lord, as we prepare to eat his body and drink his blood in the Lord's Supper. For there the Holy Liturgy declares, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna, hosanna, hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he, blessed is he. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. In each occasion, there is the acknowledgement that the Lord who redeems his people comes to them. And though the mode of his presence is different now, as he comes to us through his word and sacrament, and not with his divine majesty veiled by the humility of his incarnation prior to his resurrection, we know that the same God and Lord who has redeemed his people is with us. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. To search out the word of the prophet, which proclaimed that it was necessary that this thing should come to pass, is to highlight all the more those words which Matthew omitted. He is just and having salvation for it draws our attention to them all the more. This one who is king is thus born of the line of David, for the Lord had appointed the house and line of David as the line of kings over Israel, from whom the Messiah would be born. He is also God himself, for thus he is the just one, and the one who brings salvation. The one who is the promised king is God and man, the just one who redeems, the one born of the blessed Virgin Mary, and yet also true God, the eternal Son of God. He alone is just and having salvation, for he who is God and man is our salvation, who atones for the sins of the world, 
so that all who have faith in him would have the forgiveness of their sins and the hope of eternal life. To be humble, to be marked by true humility, this is a virtue which is little sought by men. In fact, most people don't even think humility is a virtue at all. The sinful heart is often pretty pleased with itself and very little concerned with its true nature before God. From an obsession with self-esteem among children to the power of pride for a nation, we are a people steeped in the sin of pride, a people filled with pride until it's coming out of their nostrils. The the haughty heart, smug self-content in one's being as good as anyone else, and probably better, is the mark of corruption which leads to death. Even those who are caught up in perversion are told to have pride in their perversity. Teaching children to have pride as a way of avoiding lesser vices and sins is to cause a corruption which is worse than that which was already there. In a world filled with status and concern for self-promotion, the Lord of heaven and earth comes in humility, sending forth two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. Immediately he will send them. St. Luke records that precisely such an encounter took place as the disciples retrieved the animals. For we read in the twelfth chapter, So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owner said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. Several astounding things happen here. First, the owners fulfill the word, the will of the Lord without another word. They simply permit these two disciples to take the animals because the Lord has need of them. It would seem that the colt was still young enough that it could not be separated from its mother. The owners speak nothing of any loss, nor do they challenge the word of the disciples. What an astounding thing, though, it is to read the words, The Lord has need of them. The Lord declares in Psalm 50, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. The Lord did not need for his people to offer sacrifices, for all the vast world is his. But now the Lord says to men, The Lord has need of them. For their offering to the Lord is not in vain. He uses it to fulfill his word in the sight of all people. St. John records that it was only six days before the Passover when our Lord reclined at the table with Lazarus and as Martha was serving supper. Then St. John writes, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil oil not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. So, too, St. Mark records that occasion and includes more of what our Lord declared. For there we read in the 14th chapter, But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. 
for you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish you may do them good. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. The Lord did not need her anointing. That which was given to the glory of the Lord does not stand in tension with caring for the needs of the poor. Rather, the faithful Christian does both. The Lord makes use of us and that which we have as his instruments to the glory of his name. We see in the Old Testament that those things which were dedicated to the Lord are thus separated from mundane use. In Numbers, the 19th chapter, for example, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. When St. Mark repeats the word which our Lord declared to the two disciples, he includes this further emphasis. Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it to me. The one who enters Jerusalem riding upon a colt, upon which no one had ever sat, is the one who would soon be laid to rest in a tomb, in which no one had previously been buried. St. John emphasizes this point, for he writes in the 19th chapter, Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden, and the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. Without a long excursus on Jewish burial practices, suffice to say, this was a point which was worthy of note. And that tomb was thus dedicated for the days in which our Lord rested, having declared, It is finished. We read in today's epistle reading from Philippians, the second chapter, that the Eternal Son became a man and came in profound humility for our redemption. For there we read, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The Lord uses humble means a colt, the foal of a donkey, a cross of wood, a tomb of stone, as he comes to Jerusalem to atone for our sins through his suffering and death for us. He renders perfect obedience to the Father, obedience to the point of death, even the death of the cross, so that there would be an atonement for our sin. We, with our fickle minds and foolish hearts, are so easily distracted from a life lived to the glory of the Lord. Sometimes in our guilt, sometimes in our pride, and always with our hearts and minds, which are easily led astray, we think of ourselves, our guilt, our pride, our wants, our desires. The disciples of the Lord do not question why they are sent to get a donkey and its colt. So why would we imagine that anything is beneath us in service of Christ, showing love to our brethren? And yet we gripe and complain. Oh, we might imagine that we would run to the ends of the earth to serve the Lord, and how piously we would exclaim it. But the Lord has surrounded us with our brethren, and the Lord declares, Assuredly I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. What did it profit that the multitude spread their clothes on the road, even as others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road? They did these things to the glory of the Lord, acknowledgment of the Messiah, in praise of the Christ, and their deeds are remembered to the end of the age. As we lift up a palm to welcome the Christ, we think of how slow we have been 
to love our neighbors as ourselves. Christ Jesus came to Jerusalem to make atonement for our sins as well. When we consider our unworthiness, we implore the worthy one, whose blood was shed for us, to have mercy on us poor sinners. And the mercies of the Lord are upon us, for we have heard his absolution, and we receive his body and blood, given and shed for the forgiveness of our sins, as often as we partake of them in the divine service. Thus we consider Palm Sunday aright. In Jerusalem, soon the cries of Hosanna would be replaced with the shout, Crucify him! All things would be accomplished as the word of the Lord had prophesied. The blood of the sinless Son of God would be shed, poured out for the guilty. For thus he died for you and for me. Now Jesus has been raised up. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He will return in glory at the end of the age, and that which he has accomplished through humble means such as his word, joined to water, will be revealed with great glory. What men despised in this age will be revealed as the work of God. And the Lord of heaven and earth, who has sustained his church in her long pilgrimage, will gather her to himself forever. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who has sent thy Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, to take upon him our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross, that all mankind should follow the example of his great humility, mercifully grant that we may both follow the example of his patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church invite you to join them today for the 10 a.m. worship service. Also, throughout this Holy Week, we will have many occasions to hear the word of the Lord. On Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we will have morning service at 11 a.m. and the evening vespers at 7 p.m. On Monday, Thursday, we will have the divine service at 7 p.m. On Good Friday, there will be a morning service at 11 a.m. And, and the Divine Service at 7 p.m. Lastly, on Holy Saturday, there will be the Divine Service at 8 p.m. On Easter Sunday, we will have a Matins at 9.30 a.m. and the Divine Service at 10 a.m. You are always welcome to come and join us. Salem was located approximately two miles north of Malone, off of FM 308. These broadcasts are made possible through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.